0: Hello ladies and gents, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Brain Podcast. This week's guest is Dan Osman, who is just a legend. Um, he's one of those people that, I, someone I really resonate with, but he's one of those people that can just articulate it better. Whereas if I was to say some of the things that we may think that's on the same page, I would just end up swearing. He's a great bloke and a great guest. So enjoy the show. Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Brain Podcast. And today we have a guest who goes by Dan, but his Instagram handle is Ace Dan Osman. Welcome
1: to the show, buddy. Thank you. It's changed. I'm gonna be embarrassing oh, from the start. Cool what, what is V-Dan it? Put it. Doesn't tell you the Dan Osman. The Dan Osman.
0: Where did you where did you get Ace Dan Osman from?
1: The Ace sounds like a really corny play on that, like Ace in that, Ace in that. Ace actually came from, and it was, well, no, it wasn't quite, 15 years ago I started doing a job, 12 years ago I became self-employed. It was, came from Aspire, Create and Empower Performance, Mm. was my original, down to the acronym Ace, Ace Performance, and then the logo was a play on the Ace playing card, but then it just sounded like a really conceited douchebag claim, like, oh, he thinks he's a bit special, then it evolved into ace performance and nutrition and now i've just dropped it now it's dan Osmond strategic health well mate
0: how, how, how long have you been coaching total now
1: 15 years yeah so
0: yeah since i just, was just evolving mate as you go uh, well just getting more pretentious <laughs> <I guess. laughs> It's just going to be um, Dan Osmond soon, isn't it? It's just yeah. going to wipe everything well, away.
1: Quite pretty particular being Dan Osmond, doesn't it? I never thought of that. That's a bit of a humility in public admission. Uh, yeah, no, but I started, I, I got a subsidised PT qualification my first year of uni, doing my level two with, it wasn't, it was the ACSM provider in the UK, mm. which was all the you did your fitness instructors, you did your swiping down sweat off the machines, your body M.O.T.s. your gym inductions, My mm. 100 voluntary hours. And then you were allowed to do your level three, which was oh, a slightly really? different path to how it is now. Yeah. And then I did some, and then I, I did personal training when I was at uni um, for some extra pocket money.
0: That's quite interesting. because obviously I've only been a coach what nearly four to five years. So I'm still a little sprog in the industry, to be honest, in my eyes anyway. Um, but I, I would say that's actually probably a better route. And that's more thorough the way that you did it. That's like a bit of a, from from what you've just said, probably a better standard because you've about...
1: I don't know. There wasn't no. much comparison at the time. No. I, I mean, I, look, maybe my bias, I, I probably think that's a helpful way to get in the industry in terms of it's not quite working in the trenches. I know everyone likes that phrase, but it's yeah. doing your due diligence, you know, yeah. working voluntarily... Uh, I did the same with S&C when I was doing my, my PT stuff. Mm. At uni, I did uh, lots of voluntary work with EIS and the uh, strength conditioning um suite at the uni just to kind of earn, earn your stripes. Is that the phrase? I don't know. But I suppose gay, it's I think like... Possible.
0: You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The payment, you don't, you don't want... It's not a cash thing, is it? It's experience. That's what I want to learn. I want to be around the right people. And if they give me the opportunity to spend time here that's the payment isn't it essentially
1: yeah I think it was really helpful earlier as well because not not as an ageist comment but I think when you first get in the industry and you are younger you don't necessarily have the life experiences of others so developing Mm. emotional intelligence and empathy and just speaking to lots of different people about their life experiences their experiences with their children their experiences with not being able to you know sit down comfortably or walk or Mm. the pain they might be experiencing daily you you don't really have insight with that until you have many 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 different conversations with people Mm. and that potentially some of the things you take from your qualifications you then try and translate for that person it doesn't quite work so you need to adapt you need to find strategies for them that aren't textbook related they're not optimals in air quotations which I'm doing that none of your listeners will see (laughs) um it's finding practical solutions for them which i I think is helpful because it's it's less about optimal it's more about people i think anyway yeah it's just like
0: yeah it's just better isn't it instead of it being optimal so uh one of something i wanted to talk about with yourself was like um i don't know how many people know this i imagine that people follow you do but and this is obviously going to go way back to when you were younger i'd like you to talk about your experiences of being overweight when you was young
1: yeah I mean I, I was it is no secret I wasn't an athletic mm. Mm. teenager I, I enjoyed football at school I guess mm. I think there's a cultural element there as well as all, all of my family are from the Mediterranean it's, it's like a cultural thing it's like mm. we're happy we eat we're sad we eat we, we just eat all the time we're pretty good at that because food is so much more than just sustenance anyway yeah. and then naturally creeping into my teens as everyone does is changes happen you're finding a place in the world you're not quite sure where that that placing is I was aware of it and I think yeah if I can relate that to people now and the stigma that people face is larger people are aware of that they don't often need it pointed out they?
0: no they know
1: but then yeah they know like yeah. there's no amount of telling someone how they look or, or their impact on the world is going to be groundbreaking for them but anyway uh, as a teenager like most teenagers they can be pretty ruthless they make you hyper aware of it so and again on, on another level relatable to clients maybe is that by telling someone that it has a paradoxical effect it doesn't then encourage them to engage in health seeking activity more or engage in those health seeking behaviors in which they're more consciously aware of their food and the types of food they consume they retreat they fall back on what's comfortable for them mm. and for me that was food at that time
0: mm.
1: it was a food I had um, a bit of upheaval in my in my earlier years I didn't really have a positive male role model in my life and my mum kind of did the job her own. she did the best that's not a reflection on her but I don't think you can ever pinpoint it down to just one significant thing that you know led you down that path it was multiple things but I know the impact of weight stigma which was heightened when I went to the doctors about something unrelated when i was 15 15 yeah. at 15 stone because the first thing she felt she needed to do was weigh me when i walked in the doctor's office about an ingrained toenail and in in those words she said you are fat and you need to lose weight wow which um it's quite just devastating like, just like, for a 15 year old
0: just like um when you take your dog to the vets that's the first thing they do so yeah. that's how she sort of used you that day unfortunately wow
1: yeah but i didn't go there about my weight i went there yeah about of course my, not my ingrained toenail so that, that had a significant, well, you know, I'm 35 now. I'm still talking about it. <laughs> Trauma. <laughs> but what was your, was your mum there? I imagine she was there. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't how- remember my mum's response at the time, actually. Um, it was never, in, the weight loss thing was never a, a push from her. Mm. And actually after that, it wasn't, that, that wasn't the thing that sparked change in my life. It was, Loneliness to a certain degree, maybe mm. in college later life, like there's a lot of ridicule, there's a lot of bullying when I was growing up as well. Um, without saying it because I know some people might see it as as my issue, mm. it wasn't a, maybe not obviously so. I'm of Mediterranean descent, there wasn't a whole mm. bunch of foreigners in my school. Mm. Uh, a teacher made an issue of pointing out my surname was an Islamic surname, not that there's any issue in that very yeah. early on in school, and that stuck with me. Yeah, so there were many, many ways people could poke fun at me mm. uh, growing up. So that that probably did have a significant impact there, which is why when you look at how people self-soothe, they find yeah. comfort, they find, you know, a friend, if you like, for want of a better phrase, food was that for me growing up. Mm. What, um, so when, so this is
0: obviously got happened, like the, the awareness has got, obviously you've, sorry, you've got a lot more aware from the age of 15 what was and did things get worse before they got better or did you think or yes did you come up yeah
1: i think so yeah I, again i i could reflect back on that time but jumping on the scales wasn't a, a frequent thing i did but you know i did the stealing like slim Fast shakes off my mom i tried various different diets uh, a couple of years after that and i think i just got down a road where i could have i could not done a lot could have ended up in like a not so productive crowd. I could have done that whole retreat thing and not done mm. much. Mm. Uh, and then I can't pinpoint it down to one significant thing, but for whatever reason, there was just one day I drew a line in the sand. I was like, right, that's it. This this environment that I'm in, the people I'm hanging around with, isn't mm. isn't motivating me for change. I need to ostracise myself. I need to go away. I need to for to use kid slang these days. I need to ghost everyone and just go i know it's sorry i'll die
0: guys and yeah, he says he's right. gonna ghost everyone i'm,
1: dying. I'm gonna ghost everyone <laughs> and i'm just gonna go and work on myself for a bit uh, and i had aspirations i had got into martial arts then okay i became more invested in the performance side of it not just the aesthetic side of it from a weight loss perspective and yeah. soon realized that you know if i was getting my my ass kicked again for want of a better phrase um because there was no pairing up with people your size. It was yeah. just grown men. I was getting roll, rolling with jujitsu was what I was invested in at the time. Um, you know, I needed to sort myself out athletically as well. So Friday, Saturday nights, I'd, I'd go for a run.
0: Boom. And that, obviously the good thing about the, the jiu-jitsu side of things, that's quite fun in a way. I know for some people that sounds like hell, but that's actually quite a fun way of getting exercise in isn't it? It's play MMA. fighting.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's essentially play fighting. It's what you would do as kids, but in a more controlled way. But there was a, there was a camaraderie with it as well because it's, it's it wasn't, there was no ego at that time. Yeah, yeah. It was just people that were there to train.
0: Yeah. It's, quite a, it's such a nice, like when I look at say MMA say, say the UFC and you look at the guys that have done jiu-jitsu jiu- and they've gone through that route versus how however guys have gone through certain routes you look at the way the jiu guys are they're so much more respectful they're just more disciplined they're quite humble do you know what i mean they talk they do their talking with their hands essentially and obviously their legs do you know what i mean I, I, and that's what i quite like about martial arts and i think it's probably great for kids because i think it probably teaches them things that we're potentially moving away from and I, I do personally, even though I don't have kids and sometimes it's always hard for me to comment. I think sometimes kids need to suffer a little bit at times. You know, they have to do things that hard and I could imagine that was good for you when you was doing that yeah. jujitsu. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You realize certain things that when you, about yourself as well.
1: Well that's a, that's resilience, isn't it? In its yeah. essence. I mean, not that I'd wish any of my earlier life experiences on anyone. Mm. Um but then the byproduct of that is you get, you get a bit better overcoming that, you know, Mm. Um, and hopefully coming out stronger without standing a a little bit too cliche, but more more emotionally resilient as well. You know, even from, I think now my daughter it's, I don't want her to always get her own way because Mm. then she'll never know how to deal with disappointment. So actually being able to disappoint her, if it's something as silly as not being able to watch a TV program when she wants to watch it, that is on some level telling, uh, teaching her a, a level of resilience yeah so uh, and if she if she doesn't want to get I'll, into jiu-jitsu and learn how to choke other people out that's entirely up to her as well yeah.
0: so so now you've started running and you're doing these classes have you noticed obviously you've noticed a change in yourself good because obviously you're, you're more active have you noticed anything change from an aesthetic point of view
1: yeah a- aesthetics well i was hyper aware of aesthetics anyway because yeah. you know the ridicule i face because of the shape of shape of my body um and in honesty it was probably part of that was part of the motivation to begin with but I was lifting weights at the time as well um and as you know newbie games especially when you're younger things happen a lot quicker okay the the sad truth is the older we get the less we change (laughs) and the less we progress which is just soul destroying at times but anyway yeah so I guess I'd I'd never I'd never received praise for my Mm. appearance um and that was that wasn't necessarily something I was seeking but people are always for the best intent and purpose in the world is you know they comment on things sometimes make you feel better yeah and i think that that can be hugely helpful in some instances but also harmful in that you you then learn to identify a certain amount of self-worth with how you look Mm. Uh, and very much my earlier experience in life it was around people form a certain opinion about you as a person based on how you look that was a negative when I was in a certain body when I was a bit younger and yeah. all of a sudden that became a little bit more positive that I was that bit older and I was a little bit more invested in you know health-seeking behavior but it was for that it wasn't solely for aesthetics but mm-hmm. then uh, oh people respond differently now
0: yeah so what so with that in mind how often did you so do you feel that you you've gone from say that 15 year old And now you're getting more active. Do you feel like you're going not one extreme to the next, but do you feel like it did it actually come to that to a degree as in you started going from say one end of the scale to the other? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That'd
1: be fair. That'd be fair judgment. Yeah. yeah. I think back to my first year in uni um, and health preoccupation was, was it, but then it evolved probably into a little bit of body preoccupation. Yeah. yeah because the culture of fitness especially in the early days so it's much more widely spoken about um now as in you know, health doesn't look a, a certain way of course it doesn't mm. but all of the people i aspired to be like at that time did look look a certain way and there came a certain amount of again that resilience thing uh that being a bit hardcore with that the, you had to you had to suffer you had yeah. to grind all those cheesy cliches and the sacrifice was something I got, kind of got a bit of a buzz out of. I got a really? buzz out of, yeah, I got a buzz out of even at uni that I would go for a run every morning, that I would ride my bike everywhere uh, and transfer across campuses like that, that I would still weight train a few times a week, that I would still go kickboxing for two hours. And Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I, took, proper, I took
1: some pride yeah. in that. I didn't really yeah. recognise that as problematic at that time, but it's only on reflection now I can see that. I sacrificed probably a lot of experiences at uni to excel in my uni work and look a certain way probably in the really? end days being entirely truthful yeah and so how was your nutrition
0: from this point of view now are you just doing eat are you still do you still have that say attachment to emotional eating a little bit or are you, have you sort of got into like being more aware of say calories and stuff like that so it's complimenting I mean, your training
1: yeah, it probably wasn't complimented, you know what I'm right. saying? And I can say that I, I didn't, again, something I didn't recognize at the time. And it wasn't until, so I tried various different diets because it was mainly weight loss focused in yeah. the early days. Everything, like you name it, did it? Mm. And of course, we know the basis of everything like that is calorie deficit, but no one was talking about that. Mm. Um, right. So when I went to uni, because my, because my main goals were around aesthetics and losing weight, I'd not developed a fear of foods, but I was very stringent with how I'd feed myself. Uh, and it wasn't until we did a nutrition module that we had to work out our the caloric intake. And my calories were probably about 1,500. Wow. And this is, ugh, I was exercising a lot. Yeah. Um, I was cut like two rye in the morning yeah. with a, a thin layer of margarine. I'd boil two eggs and I'd scrape out the yolks
0: wow yeah what what out of all those diets you tried what was the worst one what was the one that you just like the adherence couldn't stay just because of it It was just or what or could it what were, did were you in that mindset of like i can actually do anything i'm happy to suffer even though this is horrible
1: i was happy to suffer then yeah yeah I took pride in that yeah yeah that was something almost celebrated. And i think that's the culture we have in fitness now mm. is that a lot a lot of this disordered behavior i'm not going to say eating disorder but there's certainly a lot of disorder, disordered behavior that we normalize we celebrate you know especially in men men are more applauded for this sort of thing i think just part of the i don't want to say the female narrative but women seem more open to speaking about this mm. which is the interesting thing when you, you talk about disordered behavior and, and eating disorders and the stats and things I imagine there's a huge number of men that don't come forward about that and it's only mm-hmm. now I can reflect back and see that was an issue because I had no energy for anything my my, my training wasn't amazing it was just yeah. getting done and again that's yeah. I think I feel like you can recognize that in a lot of people now is they seem always motivated they do sessions but they're not great sessions no. you can spot that in clients as well
0: yeah, you de- yeah, you can definitely see when you've had a, a, cl- a client on that calorie deficit for a while, and you just start seeing yeah. the, the numbers not going up or going, or they're just maintaining, aren't they? And you can see that, like, ah, oh. and yeah. they're just not enjoying those sessions as much. So, obviously, you've competed as well. So this is quite interesting for well, me, anyway. I know you say that I it participated, it wasn't, it you, wasn't you really participated. Competing.
1: Yeah, it was more participation sport for me. I gave it a good crack. What, my best.
0: what year was this? As in, are you still in uni when this has happened? And what what no, drove you to awesome do that? What drove?
1: I initially it was to put those that, those demons at rest of being that that larger kid, really. That that's what it was. But truthfully speaking, it probably highlighted a few other demons that were there, and perhaps mm. the wrong reasons I got into it in the first place. So and by, by that I. I admit that as more as a participant because I was never hugely invested in putting on stacks of muscle. Mm. But performance enhancement was a part of it from an athletic point of view. But after uni, because I I stopped doing martial arts at home, I did a bit of Mm. kickboxing there. This became a little bit of a focus uh, for me. And even when I I did an internship with Surrey's Rugby Club straight out of uni. And even then I was trying to feed myself in a way it, in which would enhance the way I look rather than mm. surrounded by all these amazing athletes, feed themselves another way. Yeah. God. Um, but anyway, sorry, I digress. The path of that was to put, put those demons to rest, I guess, and get, you know, just to see what my body was capable of. And I learned a bunch, um, but also, you know, not learnt, learnt a bunch just from a point of view is in, physiology psychology of, of everything involved but a bunch about myself uh, yeah. and that is when I can kind of look back on things and maybe say I didn't do them in the healthiest way possible
0: what did first of all I, I imagine it did it it didn't put those demons to bed did it
1: no, no no I no and I think again just to reflect on the industry as it is now is it, it was very much part of my identity then yeah you know, I was done that did photo shoots I've done that competed uh, there was that association you bump into people and be like oh, when's the next show or when's mm-hmm. the next photo shoot and I was like okay like, my self-worth is invested in this but like, this is a huge part of how people see me as a person a good person mm-hmm. not just based on the way I look but th- this was their judgment of me as an individual like how good I was at my job and especially the industry at that point in time as well it was you were very much Given a free pass if you had a certain body comp. Yeah, I was many moons ago sponsored. I'm using air quotations here by a a supplement brand, and it's you get invited to these events to speak. I didn't earn them at the time based on my thoughts and what was in my head. That didn't change, you know. Yeah. It was it was based on these body composition changes. So moving away from that was kind of tough. Yeah. What?
0: And when did you start realizing? how that this distant site didn't feel right. And it doesn't sit right with you. Cause now you're, you're obviously very, you're very transparent. You're very open about certain things. And obviously you've been very open on this podcast, but of you're massively different now and you're quite outspoken, you, you know, a sticks a stick and you're not scared to address or say certain things. where a lot of people um, wouldn't say those things. What, where was this point of you sort of realizing, I, this is just doesn't sit well with you i don't want to
1: play the game anymore yeah yeah essentially yeah uh i I don't think it was probably one point no it was was accumulation of lots of things i think like that recognizing how much of my self-worth was attached to how i looked and Mm. also where that that got me in the industry from a professional sense as well
0: Mm.
1: you know because i think a lot of people they getting more clients for releasing certain pictures of themselves and stuff like that and i soon realized that i wasn't necessarily attracting the sort of people that i wanted to work with okay. or i was only getting the opportunities if i looked a certain way um and what was significant is when you didn't how much different i felt about myself as well
0: what did anyone around you notice the behaviors
1: as well i think they probably did you know, they didn't necessarily communicate that at the time. And no one said anything to me since. Um, going through certain things and this whole, I'm very much into self-exploration and introspection. so i had to do a lot of work on myself over the years. It's, it's really my own dissection and realizing that, oh, I turned down that social event because mm. I didn't want to miss a meal or I didn't want to miss a, mm. you know, a, a training session. I think... Mm. Something yeah. not quite right about that. Yeah. That's not, you know. There's more to life than training and looking a certain way.
0: Did with that as well? Did you ever seek any professional help?
1: Yeah, I've had a bunch of therapy over the years for various different things. Yeah, you know, in honesty, I'm quite open and honest about that. Um, I th- what I, I didn't mention is maybe some of the mental health struggles I had in uni, which I'm, I'm sure was probably associated on some level with exercise and nutrition as well. But I was. Again, I said I'm not a fan of labels, and I'm going to use air quotation. Diagnosed with uh, anxiety, depression, quite mm. early on in uni, and I nearly dropped out. Really? Actually, yeah, so overwhelming. And I was medicated. I was medicated for a lot of of uni just to get me through. Um, again, therapy and self exploration. You find out that is not necessarily what you think is important is important, and actually, there's something else going on there. Um, so yeah, it wasn't until the the birth of my daughter was hugely life-changing yeah how was your daughter yeah. she's five today okay
0: oh, wow. oh. Yeah. sorry to take your five. time when your daughter's birthday no no
1: right <laughs> she's at school
0: it's fine. <laughs> she's not worth you putting not it out, yet? out the birth- yeah, yeah. You not
1: bur- blow out those birthday candles
0: <laughs> all right so uh, so obviously when she my wife, uh, yeah again it's uh, i always find certain things hard to relate to so you don't go through those I haven't been through that experience but I always but people do say something along those lines of like it it makes such a big change what was a big change for you when she was born
1: probably learned to be a bit kinder to myself uh, you know that whole being a little bit more vulnerable and softening yourself for rightly or wrongly for a, a girl in the world maybe mm. it stirred up lots of different emotions inside of me and you you look at things and you recognize what's actually important what's not Mm. and probably that was a pivotal moment in which i just thought this is how i am this is how i want to be Mm. how i look is not a reflection of that this is how i want to work with people i'll attract the people that i want to work with me based on how i am rather than anything you know anything else
0: and i imagine your business now you obviously you're you're online now but I imagine that you work with a lot of people that you actually want to work
1: with. I, I don't work with anyone. I don't. And I don't mean yeah. that as like a a, no, of course not. a bragging thing. I think you send certain messages and same as I would be a terrible coach for one person. I think I, I could be a, an okay coach for others. It you can't on... help
0: everyone. Can you essentially? We no, unfortunately no. can't. Our personalities just don't.
1: Yeah. We can't do that. And it's, it's, I guess it's, I work with such a broad spectrum of people in which that, probably don't want to solely focus on aesthetics because mm. I, I think I, I better recognize now that based on my own experience i'm not best positioned to pe to deal work with people with only aesthetic goals yeah because i largely know that a lot of people with only aesthetic goals have other things that are going on with them that mm. they actually maybe need to prioritize so I'd much more, rather work with them on that like their relationship with food for example their relationship with exercise or their feelings mm. about themselves and actually what engaging in exercise and physical activity does for them rather than solely making it about how you look
0: Mm. yeah you know that there are plenty of coaches mm. that
1: can do that a much better job than me Mm. so i I would much rather signpost them and that's not not as a disrespectful thing to some people everyone markets their business and works with people how they want to work and that is primarily how our our industry is made up it's based Mm. on physical change
0: do you do you feel like some of the obviously the life experiences that you've gone through, does that massively help you with the clients that you work with? Obviously, not all of them, but some of them, because you can really empathize with them.
1: I think so. Yeah, I, I think. And again, not as a, a, a statement in which I'm bragging, but I think dealing with a certain amount of pain and discomfort and some of the issues that a lot of people I interact with have experienced mm. does equip you with a certain level of empathy. It was almost a bit of a superpower. You can go the other way with coaching as well. I think, in which, if you're too empathetic, you do allow yourself and open yourself up to absorbing some of that from other people, which is again something I've established over the years. Because I think probably go through a period where it's taking on a lot of weight from other people.
0: You was counsellor down, weren't you? Really, in a, to a degree. Which we, I think, we all go through those stages. I think as coaches, I think that's just sometimes part of. It's part of the job. The job, I think. yeah. And then yes, it's, you have got to realise of, of like. And that's hopefully where I imagine yourself, you have a referral network of hopefully sending people to the right people, essentially, is what yeah, we need I'm, to do
1: with I'm, that. Yeah, I hyper aware of my, my scope of practice, and I have worked with many people over the years, which has become a bit more apparent further down the line, actually, I'm not the help they need.
0: Mm. You know, but they'll always uh, be grateful for that and thankful for that as well. They'll always come back, uh, hopefully. Yeah, but, yeah. But
1: the ones I've, I've spoken to since... are I can't vouch for everyone because I I wouldn't know that I'm sure they wouldn't tell me but I have you know I've I've got a like eating uh, disorder specialist that I would refer people to if there are certain red flags Um, Mm. or or frankly like I don't like just sending people on their way I'm never one for taking people's money if I don't feel I can help them but um, Mm. if someone does have purely aesthetic goals and they want to focus on bodybuilding again I I will happily recommend them to people I can vouch for I just don't vouch for anyone that I don't know personally and I don't know how they work with others because Mm. it's a small industry and it's a reflection on you and I'd hate to send someone to someone else and then to have a terrible experience so if I I don't have an extensive list but I have a list and if I don't have anyone on that list for that person then I'll quite honestly say I'm really sorry I can't recommend someone
0: not ideal so go back a little bit so you've competed after uni and then what what's going on after that competition? Are you still? Are you still? Well, you say participated, but are you mm-hmm. still doing photo shoots and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I mean it was part of.
0: How long did that phase go on for? I suppose where you thought, like your identity was. Do I say bodybuilder Dan?
1: No, mm. oh, I didn't really carry that much muscle. You can say that if you like. <laughs> okay, it was bodybuilder Dan phase. Uh, it was it was part part of it was at the time I was sponsored by PhD as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the writing work that I got for them, which was was my true passion, came out of that. Yeah. Um, I ended up writing for Muscle and Fitness over that period as well, and uh, I did do another comp in which I was in a much better mindset for just before my daughter was born, which I didn't feel obligated to. I did that because I wanted to do it. It wasn't because my my identity was attached to it. But um, probably the whole time I was you know again air quotation sponsored, if you like. Mm.
0: What made you because want to worked. do that other competition, by the way? What was like? Did you did you do the first one and you thought I don't know? Do I say deflated? I don't know how to word that, but did you my feel like you I wasn't unsatisfied? Third, if it
1: means anything.
0: Yeah. Was you unsatisfied yeah. from it? And you thought I'm doing I was unsatisfied for a probably
1: reason. with the place that I got in with my food uh, and training at that time, which I didn't necessarily prepare for that one the healthiest. The last one I did was more a testament of the knowledge and skill I'd acquired Mm. over the years and seeing whether I could do it without all of the emotional attachment and baggage that I had before, which it was. But what I did realize is that that would be it, because once that one was over, I had no intention or any inclination or any motivation, want, need, desire to Mm. do that again
0: and then obviously your daughter comes into your life where i imagine that i say a selfish sport like that can't it's just not well obviously people still do it and there's nothing wrong with that of course but there's just another big thing at play here which is probably more of a, a bigger priority isn't it at the end of the day
1: it's so just a, just a personal values thing you know again i'm yeah. not anyone with just physique goals that's perfectly fine if and that's based on people and their experiences. And that's the important message to stress, I think, is everyone's experiences of their own. And it, mm. it wouldn't be fair, f- fair of me to project my experiences onto anyone else mm. or decide that for them. And we see a lot of this mm. in fitness. You know, yeah. The anti-diet message is like, you, know, you are at risk of developing an eating disorder. Well, that mm. might be true for a small proportion or you need to lose weight. It could be the best for your health. That might be true for a small proportion of people. Mm. But to broadly recommend that, as sound advice for absolutely everyone is is it's not yeah. a reflection of the truth it's not right is it
0: no so you've gone through that and then obviously your daughter's been born what what sort of headspace are you in with training and nutrition and stuff like that now
1: now it's i mean i want to be able to chuck a ball and run around after my great-grandkids i guess as a mm. focal point so the why has if... changed essentially isn't it massive yeah now. yeah yeah, I, I value family above all else. So mm. if anything compromises that or the prospect of having to fit anything else in and that has to, I have to miss out on that or that has to suffer, I just, I just won't do it. So mm. I still I still go jujitsu now. Good. I, I lift weights. I enjoy walks not to get my steps in just because I'm very fortunate. I live by the sea. I take the dog for a dog walk. I might listen to a podcast, an audio book. I enjoy being healthy and active. mm um and I, you know, perhaps how I frame that now is different. Yeah. I do it more from longevity and health point of view because yeah, it I value have to be my specific.
0: body. Yeah. No,
1: and I again I'm not above having some aesthetic goals. Like I get to a certain point, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I've indul- overindulged a little bit now. Maybe mm. I just need to wind things in a bit, but it's not the basis or the or the motivational driver for all of my exercise. If I miss a workout, I miss a workout. It's not a big deal. Mm.
0: That's well, quite obviously a, a lovely place to be, and it does. Uh, the thing is, though, you've obviously gone through all these other experiences that have made you realize actually now what you're doing now is actually what you want, mm. and that's where sort of where you want to be.
1: What I think I've seen it in others as well over the years, I think that's that's helped with that, honestly.
0: yeah. What, like when you I say think, others, who not, not names. You know, like, I,
1: no, 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 like, uh, clients that I've worked with oh, and, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and friends and, you yeah. know, even people, even respected people in the industry. And even when we look at those bigger names, to a certain degree, most of them have got that, got to that position where they can start talking about things that aren't their body because mm. of their body. Mm-hmm. And I think we'd be naive not to acknowledge that. Yeah. Because that yeah. is a very important driver in our industry, as much as we want to deny that. Mm. It is very much based on appearance still. What? And we value that
0: so if someone's listening now and they you know judge take say their self-worth off appearances off social media what would be your advice towards that person to obviously try and help them
1: i think it's perhaps recognizing your value in the world elsewhere because comparison's got a role in here and obviously social media plays a role Mm. in which what who and what we would be exposed to it would be largely people down the road people at school people when we pop down the shops mm. we've got this showreel on social media in which we're comparing all the time at the mm. moment you know and not only are we comparing to other people's show, reel; it's adopted show reel. yeah it's filters it's photoshop it's all these other things as well but if you find your i guess my advice would be if you find you're only seeing your self-value and worth in the world based on praise and accolade you you receive from others by putting half naked pictures up on the internet. That might be potentially a red flag for you in which Mm. it'd be important to explore what's going on with that, you know, which is really interesting to me when people put these messages up uh, about self-worth and Mm. it's a picture of them from a photo shoot, doctored. it's, Mm. I don't look at that from a from a place of judgment. I look at that from a place of curiosity. Like, yeah. what's going on with that person today? Why do they need? They feel they need to talk about self worth. Is mm. it because they feel their self worth isn't seen in anything else in the world at the moment? That they feel they need to perhaps get some engagement. Yeah, because it's like their appearance
0: again. It's like when you work with clients. And I guarantee you that you've been through as well. You can see what they're worth and what they're capable of, but it means. Or if they can't see it themselves, right? Like you, yeah. you know, your work with loads of people in there. Uh, you know, most of your clients are very capable people. You know, the door of training has opened up. That's that spectrum up quite a lot. But it's it means absolutely nothing if they don't see that themselves, right?
1: Yeah. Like, what, what are you? How how are you as a sibling? Like, are you creative? Are you a wonderful parent? Mm. When was the last time you gave someone praise for something outside of their appearance? Because really like physique updates and how your body looks or how much you weigh is the least interesting thing about most people (laughs) yeah that is so so true i don't mean that as a as a of course a rude or inflammatory comment but there's there's so many nicer qualities that we all have yeah that aren't based on that
0: so if you if we've got this person who's always comparing comparing themselves to uh what they see on social media or people anyone in the street or whatever would would you i know this Hopefully this doesn't breach scope. Would you say that that sometimes that may need professional help,
1: do you I think so, potentially, with people. Yeah. But then there's the prompt to encourage people to do that and then their choice to engage in that's different. Yeah. You know, and these are difficult conversations as well. Very with difficult, family and yeah. You know, you can't, you can't tell people these certain things and there's – I think we can look at it from the other end of the spectrum as well, is that when there's an implication of blame or there's imposed personal responsibility, or there's some sort of finger pointing, whether we look at people that maybe could benefit from weight loss, we're talking about from the the other end of the spectrum, you can't force that. Mm. That has to be a personal choice. I know that's what it was for me as well. And I know that's what it is for many people is Mm. When you tell people to do things, it has that paradoxical effect in which they actually retreat. And yeah. Yeah. They retreat, they go back to what's comfortable and they don't do those things. So having difficult conversations with others is just as difficult as having that difficult conversation with yourself sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guarantee that you've been, we've both been in that sort of situation sometimes when you're with a client, isn't it? Which is quite tough because you've got to be mindful of like is that person ready to listen to what you have to say as well? You know, I think that's quite a bit a big thing. Just like when people speak to us as well, it's like, are you actually in a good place to listen to that?
1: Yeah, it's uh, part of the the conundrum that is seeking accountability, but not always be willing to have someone hold you accountable. Uh, no, I've I knew you'd, you'd have a,
0: I knew you'd have something for this. I like, know you're the man with these. You just got it there. That those sentences, big words, big words. So what's going on what's gone sorry what you say no
1: I was just going to say with the accountability thing I think sometimes from the coaching perspective is that people come to us seeking accountability as uh the the thing they feel they need to do Mm. but actually when it comes to holding them accountable it's a different story because I mean there's a kind of way of doing this but you know we've set you a set target this week what you know what, what have you done with that you know, you said you commit to tracking your calories every day this week. How come you haven't done that? Some people can take that on the chin. Others will yeah. meet that with quite a defensive, like, oh, well, you know, yeah. this has gone on, that's gone on. Yeah. And it's, it's how you respond to that. But I think you get a feel for that as a coach anyway.
0: Yeah, it's funny you said about the accountability. I was, I was thinking about doing a post about accountability. Uh, I think I was just randomly thinking about it last week, and I was just thinking, because, you know, you see a lot of people talk, oh, I've signed up with a coach for accountability and stuff, and it's actually accountability is not enough is it? It's, it's not enough there unfortunately has to be something more that comes within from that person who's committing to that personal trainer mm. or whatever they're doing it has to be a lot more than their accountability because you know it's like you, you can't constantly nag people there's got to be a deeper meaning of what they want to do and what they want to achieve yeah
1: 100 percent. I, I think people forget about the autonomy involved in that mm. you can have the the best coach They give you the optimal food plan. They give you the optimal exercise plan. They deliver hour-long educational feeds to you. But unless you're willing to go there and action it and then actually hold your hands up when you haven't done that, then arguably it's money down the drain anyway. So what's
0: Dan doing in this day and age?
1: This day and age, I still work with people largely one-to-one. We work on many different Aspects of their health, whether that's mm. just their health seeking behaviour, that's getting, introducing journaling to them, just getting encouraging some introspection. I work with corporate, corporate businesses as well, delivering yeah. educational talks. I, I hope to go back to pre pandemic delivering uh, educational talks by hiring my own space as well. That's what I plan on going back to, and potentially yeah. I mean, putting some CPD stuff on for other coaches on yeah. other what's classed as. I'd it's classed as the soft skills. I think they're the hard skills when yeah. it comes to communication, empathy, developing emotional intelligence and things like that as well. So,
0: yeah, that is, that is quite tough. Yeah, and just trying to obviously understand reading the room, i.e. the client in front of you, like we said about when you're delivering that feedback, some people can take it on the chin. Some people you've got to use a lot of yeah. nicer words with it, you? Which is actually more I develop as a coach, the more I see about how... You know communication is the key yeah. of it all and how you get a client you want them to do something that's obviously potentially better for them they know that it's better for them but they don't do it why you know mm-hmm. and it, it comes down to sometimes how we put that across
1: i find absolutely our frustration sometimes is actually our fault because communication occurs on the terms of the listener you know you have to adapt how you communicate with that client you can't I know people take some pride in niching down and I only work with these sort of certain people. Mm. I want five highly motivated people, but I think it's more a testament of your skill, actually, because you should be able Mm. to, and that is essentially emotional intelligence, adapting how you communicate with certain individuals based on them, their personality types, how they learn, some people need direct messaging. Some people like yeah. the, the shit sandwich, the yeah. bit of praise, or but you can do this better than a bit of praise. It's yeah. Other people will see straight through that. It's Some people like opening questions. Some people yeah. like a journal type, cathartic type in a way to fill in a feedback form. A lot mm. of my clients I speak to like this. I Normally, if I can, I, I like to talk to my clients every week like this. So it gives you an opportunity to mm. explore lines of conversation that you might miss from a video check-in. Yeah. Or you might miss from a, an email check-in.
0: And sometimes clients are great at not telling you certain things that, like, sat, sat, something's happened, you know. And then sometimes, like, so I imagine you doing the Zoom calls actually works really well. It's, it's
1: the non stuff you wouldn't pick up elsewhere either. Yeah. You know the the uncomfortable scratching of the face, where you know maybe not answering a question, how they would, how they are genuinely feeling that day.
0: Wow. So you you pick up on stuff like that then as well.
1: I mean, I, I try to. Yeah. <laughs> No, Dan. I just got
0: I just got an itch, mate.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, but I mean, what what I mean by that is like most of my career, because I've always worked with people in person. Is if you say, you know, someone walks in the gym, a client walks in the gym, how are you? I'm fine, but they've got their arms crossed, they've got their feet crossed, and they're looking at the ground, and they've got the face. That might not necessarily be how they feel. What I mean by that just opens up the line of not what's wrong, but you know poking yeah. away at that what's what's yeah. really up with that person if this I've got their plan here which is like a max day yeah is this not today day? not today do they just <laughs> maybe today. need to offload a little bit and just go through yeah. the motion of doing some light exercise yeah no,
0: that's
1: I think it just helps you establish where people are at so if they haven't ticked boxes that week it might be due to something else that's gone on, something that works and it's gone on with a family but again that's that's all conversational stuff that comes up that you would miss I think And again, everyone has their way of working with people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, um, before we wrap this up, I think this comes down from you doing 15 years, doesn't it, as well? Like of you doing in person
1: and CPD. Lots of of stuff that I haven't got, right? Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know, and I think especially in the early days that that's, again, that. That's part of it though, isn't it? yeah you should be able to do this well why aren't you adhering to this yeah because a lot of my voluntary work experience uh, at the time in the uni whilst i was a pt i was i was working uh, in the snc department so how I've old was you these... by the way
0: when you was doing what this? when i felt like started coaching people to a degree 19 when i started yeah. coaching people yeah. when i did my level two yeah
1: so i was doing my voluntary work with the eis and the uni and i was doing pt at the same time so i'm going working with this. Highly adherent, super motivated group of people that had a certain amount of funding for S and C services.
0: Mm.
1: Like if you, if there was a typo on yeah. you know that said a thousand reps of one RM squat, they'd be there yeah. for the next five days doing it. They wouldn't even yeah. question it. To yeah. so then the other extreme where mm. people aren't highly motivated, they have other things going on in their life. And it's that was some harsh lessons, working with the super adherent to the totally non-adherent. Yeah
0: how would that work would that be a daily thing or would that be sorry gone so happy like you go from say athlete population to say normal people population or gen pop should we say how was how that structured within your week
1: i mean most most of it would be gen pop yeah okay uh, and then i'd have certain days that would be allocated to working the snc department i would travel to bishop abbey to do some snc stuff there with uh, the us lot Um, and then when I was at Saris, when I finished my undergrad, I'd be working with them all day Mm. internships. If anyone's done an internship, you don't get paid for those Mm. and then having to PT of an evening. Mm. So that would be, then be daily. I'd be going from the super adherent people, not questioning anything during the day to then
0: uh, end of day, non adherent. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was some, that was some, and the thing is well, You're so young then as well. You don't even. Have that experience of those certain soft skills that we've been talking about in this episode, of like that, they, because they're just not in your remit of that age yet, are they? Like, no,
1: no, you, 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 I think probably I can't think of a specific example, but I can think of times maybe I would have said something to be relatable at that time. And almost like a stand up gig, you can just see a bomb, like try and say something really relatable, maybe mildly funny, and you just look at someone's face and just, yeah, it's totally missed the mark but you learn from those
0: experiences. Mm. So Dan, if people um, want to reach out to you or speak to you, however, what is, give us the new handle.
1: The grand, <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> v.dan.osmond, but if yeah. you to type Dan Osman, I haven't got a common name, um, you will find me. I've got links on there to my blog, to my emails, if people want to sign up to that and then, anything else I'm, do you I'm do um
0: facebook open
1: i'm not on facebook at the moment it's, no. it's my new twitter yeah the fourth dimension of hell i think oh, yeah. over COVID, covid especially i just yeah. I, I found it was just a really negative place
0: yeah i was on there today facebook and i was close to like i was just questioning like do i need it one of those mm. you know when you have that moment of like don't really generate much business through it i know i'm part of some groups that are really helpful which i use when i want to but one of those things of like
1: do i need yeah, it i'm, I'm the same so i actually deactivated my account it's because i have a uni group on yeah there that i have to be able to access which is why i'm on it at the moment okay so no facebook guys unfortunately. you can contact me <laughs> on facebook but i probably won't get back to you <laughs> no but (laughs) genuinely i'm i'm happy to respond to anyone that messages me um anytime so that's if you know anyone wants to listen to this of course
0: of course they do right dan thank you for coming on the show dude
1: pleasure thank you for having me
0: thank you i'll stop